It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Friday edition of Locked On Heat. On today's show, we're joined by Alana Tahauer of AllYouCanHeat.com to talk about if the Heat had a disappointing season. We'll also talk about who should be playing for Hassan Whiteside's falling out with the team and if Justice Winslow has earned a contract extension. Thank you for listening, for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back, and I write for the Miami Heat's tip-off magazine. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Ramil, a credentialed NBA writer who's covered the Heat for SB Nation, allyoucanheat.com. I cover the league at large for Fansider, and you can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRamil13. On today's show, we're joined by Alana Tahauer, editor of allyoucanheat.com. We're going to talk about Dwayne Wade's season and how she thinks the Heat should move forward. But let's start with the series that just ended. Alana, what was your favorite storyline from that Sixers-Heat series? Um, I have two. One is the fact, it's not really a storyline, but when Hassan mimicked Joel Embiid's like, finger celebration, I've never been happier. Like That, that might have been just the highlight of the entire series for me, especially because Hassan was doing so poorly before that. Um, I literally like jumped off my couch and then rewound that moment like 10 times. But I also enjoyed uh, Justice Winslow stepping on Embiid's mask. I feel like not only because I can't really stand Embiid, um, but I just feel like Justice showed another side of himself, which is awesome to see. Those are both very good. Any kind of pettiness from the team is always appreciated. I mean, wide sides, I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure if I can really stomach that one considering he was getting beat up as much as he was. And, and the fact <laughs> that he had been a non-factor for three games. That was the highlight like, yeah. of his whole series. Was, that yeah. was the best. That was the peak of his series. I'm Pretty fine much. with that. That was a good peak to have. It's fine. <laughs> Justice, however, that one's a really good one because, I mean, he, he showed – he showed genuine anger at these. I mean, I hadn't seen that. I talked about it in a couple shows ago that the last time we saw him this angry was when Wade came back with Chicago and he kind of got into a fight with him. Other than that, he just is he's so expressionless when he, he works out on the court. So he doesn't really show much emotion, but he was genuinely pissed off. And of course, we, we've got the famous quote against Ben Simmons and everything else. And, and he showed some real anger. So that that's a, a pretty good one. I'm not sure if that's my favorite story from the series, though. I think it's. It's got to be Dwayne Wade, um, you know, just the fact that he could still play at such a high level um, and, and contribute the way he did to, I mean, one victory. I mean, we would have been swept if not for Wade's performance in game two. And, his, you know, his performance in game four gave us a chance to keep it close there. Uh, he, he was he was phenomenal. Uh, I'm sure he's probably done something that we'll talk about a bit later. But for now, at least I, I can appreciate how, how much of an impact he had in the playoffs. I think my favorite storyline from the whole series has to be the Heat kind of turning into the, the NBA's dirty team. You oh. know, just all the cheap shots and stuff, like Goran Dragic just whacking Ben Simmons on the back of the oh, head in the so last good. game. I, I just, I, like you said, Alana Winslow just stepping on Embiid's face mask that he, like, literally needs to make sure that his face doesn't break open per- <laughs> permanently. Um, I, I love it. Everybody in the league is recognizing the Heat as, like, a cheap shot team. 
and I'm I'm here for it. I am okay with that being Miami's identity. If everybody, like, we are used to everybody hating the Heat, and we're used to it for different reasons. You know, during the yeah. Big Three era, it was a very different reason. Um, yeah. But if if the rest of the league just hates Miami because they're quote unquote dirty, I'm all in. I disagree. But, I don't think they're dirty. But oh, I know they're not. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's such hypocrisy. I mean, Goron getting elbowed up and down the court by Ben Simmons and then finally retaliating by slapping his 6'10 ass on the back of the head is one thing. But, I mean, if Marco <laughs> Bellinelli kicking out on every three-pointer, Dario oh, yeah. Saric elbowing his way to every rebound. Come on. It's ridiculous. Look at look at uh, Joel Embiid. I mean, he turns around on his hook shot and his elbow is right at, at Bam's face. I mean, he, every yeah, time he, he makes a move towards a hook. so yeah, much. He clears out constantly, the pushing off, all of them. And I, I realize that I'm probably a little too emotionally invested in, in what happened during the playoffs. But, my God, it's just I'm seeing all the, these tweets about Miami being a dirty team, talentless, bunch of thugs, et cetera, et cetera. I'm embracing like, it. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm with Wes. I love it. Like, I'm, I'm here for the savagery. If that's yeah. what they want to go with, let's just ride with it. The Sixers are a finesse team. Let's downplay them. Let's downplay them. The Heat are brutal. You never want to come across the Heat in the, in the playoffs. I don't care. The Sixers, they got, yes, they beat them 4-1 to in the series. Gentlemanly sweep. But they got beat the crap up in that series, too. I mean, they are going, they're not quite limping into the next series. I think they're just fine. Um, but... But they've got some bruises, and that's I just the Heat left their mark. They're not in the playoffs anymore, but they still sort of are with all of them. Yeah, we roughed them big, up a little. Yeah, we roughed them up a little bit. All right, let's move on to a game that we're going to call buy or sell. I'll read a statement, and you tell me if you're buying it or selling it. It's really simple. Uh, the first one, Alana, the Heat underperformed this season. Buy or sell? I was thinking about this one. Uh, I feel like I'll buy that only because I feel like coming off of the 30 and 11 run, obviously it wasn't just going to like continue on into the next season but I do feel like it they kind of got set up to do more and then bringing um Kelly in and having Bam I mean I just feel like we should have done a little better but what's interesting actually is that over the last two days I've had countless people tell me you know oh I didn't even think the Heat would crack the top eight so I feel like outside of the Heat fan base like people were actually really impressed with how we did um I just think that you know knowing the team a little bit better and seeing what happened last season I felt like we should have done more yeah, I, I think the the larger view was that um, Miami wasn't supposed to crack 42 or 43 wins. And, I mean, obviously their record reflected that. But that's, to me, what was completely underperformance on their part. So I am buying the hell out of this statement. I think they absolutely underperformed. Two losses to the Kings, losses to the Knicks, the mm-hmm. Hawks, uh, Chicago, Orlando. I mean, all these you know bottom-dwelling teams, and Miami just – couldn't seem to find a way to win against them on more than one occasion, obviously. You know, you take away those losses to those bad teams, and I know even the best teams lose to bad teams every once in a while. But at the same time, you know, you add another four or five wins to this Heat team, and we're talking about a completely different playoff picture where Miami might have a better chance of advancing past another team other than the 76 or so. To me, they absolutely underperformed. Look, they added Kelly Olynyk, and obviously the loss of, of Deion Waiters hurts the impact of this team, although he wasn't playing at such a high level. But at the same time, they took that 30-11 and 11 group, 
added something to it in Adebayo mm -hmm. and in Olenek. And the fact that they couldn't build on that really surprised me. I was expecting more of this team. And especially with also Josh Richardson, you know, like we saw him in the preseason kind of take it to another level. And then he kind of showed the same old version of himself that was inconsistent night on and night off. And, and so I think we needed more from all the players from the roster in general. And they, I, I think they totally underperformed, to be honest with you. I'm selling this, guys. I, I'm Go sorry. I'm selling this. I think that they. I don't think that they underperformed. I'm not going to say that they outperformed, but they they did not underperform, right? If anything, they met expectations. Uh, I going back to that 30 and 11 thing that was completely overblown, and I think it had a big that 30 and 11 finish. Lies. It had it Lies. had a big re. It, it's it led to Pat Riley re-upping this team, and we'll talk about how how Miami moves forward uh, a little bit later on, but. You know, over the you know over the last several seasons, I mean, you try to do you know you do predictability odds and all these things about how teams will perform um, from one season to the next, and everybody all the all the math, all the analytics, it all shows that the start of the season is just as uh, as valid as the end of the season as terms of trying to predict how a team will do the next season. I think Miami isn't obviously they weren't a thirty and eleven team like this is, wasn't a team that was going to go sixteen twenty two. This season, but I all you know they didn't have Dion Waiters, so you you add that into the mix. I thought that hurt them quite a bit, and they didn't get Dwayne Wade until much later in the season. But I'm also looking at the overall team's talent compared to everybody else that was in the playoffs. I mean, you look at the eighth seed in the West, and I know it's not apples to apples, but Minnesota has what three guys who would be, or or two guys who would be probably my, better than anybody on Miami, right? You can include Wiggins in there as well. No, you can't. No, 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 not Wiggins. Uh, <laughs> That's debatable. But, yeah, I would say Olenek is better than Wiggins, but and Dragic, but but Towns and 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 Jimmy Butler are legitimate top fifteen players. Miami does not. I, and Alana, I'd be interested to hear. What you, I don't think Miami has a top forty player. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I think Goron. I mean, I, I, Goron is one of those cases where I feel like he had like a quiet really good season like he was the only consistent steady rock you know yeah. and like I just across the, the board in the 40s is where i have him i think he's a top 50 player i don't know if he's a top 40 player um but even so like they just they don't have the talent when you stack them up against other teams washington in the east uh milwaukee you know being the, those being the sixth and or uh the seventh and eighth seeds like washington has more top level talent milwaukee has more top level talent i just i think given how much we expected more just because the Heat have gotten so much from this roster, but I just I think they tapped out. I just I don't know that you can get more uh, from this roster. But let's move on to our next question. Uh, buy or sell? Dwayne Wade has played his last NBA game. What do you think, Alana? Uh, sell. I feel like he's coming back for one more season. I don't think he can end on that note. And we only got what like twenty one games out of him this season. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but something like that. Yeah, yeah I think he's gonna run it back for one year, even if he's like. I mean, I don't think he'll be Udonis level, but I don't. We're not going to see like huge minutes from him. But I, I do think he has one more year in him. Yeah, you know, I, I've been pretty consistent in saying that I don't think that's the case. I would hope that he comes back, but I just don't see it. Like, I, I think his performances over the last, you know, twenty-one games or whatever, including the playoffs, were so good overall. I, I mean, he he won a number of games for Miami. He was able to contribute at a high level. He kind of talks like a person who's in reflective mode. Like I think he wanted to kind of get this sense one last time because 
you know, the, the grind, you know, first of all, Chicago was a disaster, obviously. Like they were as dysfunctional and hateful a group as I've seen. Then to move on to Cleveland, where again, that dysfunction seemed to carry over, not through any fault of his, I think, but just because the pressure was on, because LeBron led teams tend to kind of implode on themselves, et cetera. And, and then to come into a much more, strangely enough, relaxed environment where all that's expected of you is to continue to work harder and harder. I think he appreciated that. There's obviously a comfort level there um, to be beloved by the fan base, not not hated in Chicago, not thought of as being a, a you know a sidekick in Cleveland, et cetera. To come back to his city, his home, his arena, et cetera, I think is a good way to end a career, a, a Hall of Fame career. And the fact that, you know, he, he lost in the playoffs, but they, he was able to guide the team or help guide the team back into the playoffs. To me, this is a guy who said, you know what, I've seen it all. I've done everything I possibly can to come back now. It's going to be another long preseason of trying to figure out where my place in the roster is. Do I really want to watch Dion take my minutes away from me, et cetera? And, and I mean, that's just a logical progression too. waiters. If he comes back, unless he's moved at some point over the summer, which we don't expect, you know, he's going to be the starter. So are we going to have Dwayne Wade relegated to a guy who plays, you know, 10 to 15 minutes per game? I mean, that's... But I think he's accepted that role by now. Like I would, I would have agreed with you before when he was in Chicago and even somewhat with the Cavs, but I feel like now he understands that he's here as like sure. no, no, a I, mentor. And I, and, and I get that. And yeah, but you can be a mentor in other ways. I think Udonis is a very unique breed in that sense that he can appreciate and understand that mentorship role, knowing he's not going to get any playing time. He's not Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade can take less minutes and play a lesser role, absolutely. But to go through the work, the actual just the work of having to get into prime shape and to, to lower your body fat, to go through the grind of the preseason. I mean, do you think he's going to come back in two weeks and start working out? He doesn't have anything left to prove. He's not Wayne Ellington trying to carve out a career for himself or to get another contract. Like Wade's coming back to make the minimum. I don't think he wants to go through that work just so he could be a 10-minute-a-day guy. Like, that's and just... He, I he don't had, know. I just don't see it. He did have a moment where he can kind of ride off into the sunset with with that game yes. two. That game yeah. two performance. So we could try to... You know, you could sort of remember that as... So here's my two... Sor- I, I have two sources on, on Dwayne Wade's retirement so- story, right? Okay. And I'll, I'll burn them right now. It's Dwayne Wade's Instagram and also Gabrielle Union's Instagram. Yeah. And, and I can watch those two Instagram stories... On a daily basis, and I can re- I, I feel like I get a real sense of what Dwayne Wade's mindset is. And during the playoffs, he was golfing with his son. Now, I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean it was during that like three day break that they had. Yeah. yeah. Um. But he's golfing often, and I think he enjoys that. Uh, yesterday, or maybe that was this morning. I can't remember. Gabrielle Union had cookies, and Dwayne Wade was eating her cookies. And one thing I know about Dwayne Wade is that his favorite... That sounds like a euphemism. I is, don't know. Nope. I'm, <laughs> no, he's being serious. I he's, thought too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we okay. know that Dwayne Wade's favorite dessert is cookies. That is chocolate chip cookies is Dwayne Wade's favorite dessert. We all know that. We all understand We that. did? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> if, if Dwayne Wade is now golfing in Miami, eating cookies in Miami by the pool with, with beautiful Gabrielle Union... I mean, I just feel like he has so many more things going on for him that he could just enjoy. I don't know. With you, I'm with you, David. I don't know if he necessarily has that motivation to come back. I do think he's got a moment that he can kind of chalk up as his ride into the sunset moment. I, I, I'm sad about the idea of Dwayne Wade not being in my NBA life anymore. 
but I'm excited about even more Dwayne Wade on my social media feed. I like I just like living yeah, with his. Yeah, but don't you feel like he can have the same attitude and live the same lifestyle and still technically be on our roster? Like I get what you're saying in terms of like mm. it does seem like he's kind of in you know retirement mode, moving on. But at the same time, like what's to stop you from? Having a seat on the roster, it doesn't mean you have to work nearly as hard as anyone else. And you know I do, what I mean? Like I feel I do like I disagree with that part, point that David make. I do. I think this. I think Wade is just one of those guys who's like in the mold of LeBron, and they just work on their bodies all the time. And I. Yeah, but he yeah, won't like, have I, to though. He won't have. But to. I think he's, he's going to. He's vain enough to like. He wants the six pack all the time. Like I yeah, just, and I, I don't think the organization is going to mind if he's not like out there. Yes, grinding he will. Hard. I, Are you I don't kidding me? So. Yeah, I, no way, absolutely not. No one takes no one takes days off. That's the whole thing. Like, I mean, it, you can't have a conversation with him in front of everybody else because he's Dwayne Wade and he's a, the franchise right. leader. But you can't you can't possibly just let him slack off either. You, you're going to expect him to work just as hard as the 15th man on that roster, and that's ridiculous. Think about it. Over the last two years, Udonis Haslam has been the best worker, the hardest worker on this team. Guy doesn't even play anymore, and he's still working out harder than everybody else. Guy's half his age, for crying out loud. I mean, that's, Yeah, but I mean, my point is what – I think Wade's going to do that anyway. So if nah, he's already not to that on same point, because you can be in fit, you can be NBA fit, and then there's Miami Heat level of fitness. I don't think he wants to work at NBA at, at, at Miami Heat level of fitness he, anymore. Maybe he just wants to eat cookies. But we got to move on. We got to right, let's, let's take it. let's take some Twitter questions that you tweeted and emailed in after this break. The playoffs are here, and just like the Miami Heat, it's time to step up your game. If you run a company and you're unhappy with the results from traditional advertising online or in print. Make a big-time adjustment by advertising with us here on Locked on Heat. We've already got national brands advertising on the show, but it's also a great opportunity for South Florida businesses to connect with local Heat fans. You've heard about the studies already, how podcast listeners are 65% more likely to engage with advertisers, and how the number of people listening to podcasts continue to grow every year, heck, every month. Be ahead of the curve and start advertising on a podcast with us here at Locked on Heat. You have nothing to lose by reaching out, and our rates are reasonable, and they're based on the number of listens, so it's an efficient use of your time and your money. For more information on Next Steps, email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. That's LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company right here on the show. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back with Locked On Heat. Every time Alana comes on the show, we do David's favorite segment. It's called the Style Corner. Uh, that's coming up later on, but let's answer some listener questions first. This one comes from a different David, and we got another one from Twitter from at Waytobio. Uh, they both ask about Justice Winslow and if he sh- he's shown enough uh, for Pat Riley to offer an extension this summer. Alana, what do you think? Is Winslow uh, ready for an extension? Had the playoffs not happened, I might have been more iffy on this, but I think he's definitely proven his worth. I mean offensively I think he stepped up maybe not exactly to the level that we all want him to be at but stepped up enough defensively he's still a powerhouse and you saw how aggressive he can be which is the exact type of mentality that I think the Heat are looking for so I say yeah for sure 
Yeah, I have to agree with you, but the one caveat to that is that Riley's probably looking at Winslow as a, a very nice piece that he can include in upcoming trade talks. So I don't know if he wants to hamstring an up, another franchise with another large contract, let another team take on that responsibility of trying to f- determine whether or not Winslow is somebody they want to offer that extension to. So to me, I think they'd rather keep him as a young, cheap, promising piece and, and let another team figure it out when he does try to make a, a trade for him this summer. Yeah, um, you know, the Heat will have some time until they they need to sign that, or the Heat and Winslow will have some time before they need to sign that extension. Richardson didn't sign You could sign it into the regular season, right? Right. Um, just like Josh Richardson did. So they'll have the whole summer where they'll basically have the opportunity to trade Winslow on the last year of his rookie scale deal or, um, or offer that extension. And then the trade, just like it did with Richardson, the Heat could move that deal and the exception, like the extension doesn't take it into effect, wouldn't, wouldn't come into effect until the following year, right? Until 2019. Mm-hmm. So there's some wiggle room there. I wonder if, I, I think he, it depends on the team that would be taking Winslow in a trade. If in this hypothetical situation, if it would, if he'd have more valuable, on, if he would be more valuable with the extension already signed or without it, I just think it depends on those individual teams cap situations. Right. Um, but I do think he's done enough to for Pat Riley to offer him extension. I do. I think that's ultimately what happens is that Justice Winslow signs that extension um, because I also think that the Heat on their end have found the right use of Winslow because I speculated yeah. earlier in the regular season if I'm Justice Winslow I don't know if I sign the extension if if they still haven't found the right role for me I might want to go somewhere else but I think they've figured it out and I think Justice Winslow and and the Heat are happy with how that season ended uh, to your point Alana in that playoffs I think really proved. Um, what Winslow uh, is capable of. Let's move on to our next question here. It comes from Cesar, who asks, should Pat Riley and Eric Spolster be at least partially blamed for the Hassan Whiteside situation? It's Riley's job to find players that fit a master plan and Spo's job to make a workable rotation out of those pieces. Alana, what do you think? I could literally go on for hours on this topic. I will say I don't think Riley has blame in this, but I do think... That Spolster has not been utilizing him correctly, and this is not at all to take away from the fact that Whiteside has, you know, not performed to the best of his abilities and that his behavior is at times questionable, but I do think that um, Spolster deserves at least some of the blame from after he came back from injury um, throughout the playoffs. I just... I'm completely... I've been Team Spolstra since the very beginning, and I still love him, but I this year, like... A lot of his rotations and the way that he's been putting certain guys in certain roles just have me completely baffled. So how could Spo have used Hassan correctly? Because I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I just don't know that to, to me, I just can't see how Spo could have done anything differently. Like he can't make Hassan want to play harder. He can't make him catch a damn lob that an eight-year-old could catch. Like I, I just don't understand what, what's going on here. Like that, I mean, the, like that's I, not Spo's impact. My thing with certain guys, and I think Hassan is definitely one of them, is that you need to, at times, let guys play through their mistakes and through their, I guess, bad minutes. And I feel like what happens is Spo puts him in, or at least in the playoffs, Spo would put him in, he would make two, three mistakes in a row, and then he would get yanked for such a long period of time that by the time he went back in, it was like almost like he had to, like, heat up again and that some of that is on Hassan he has to learn how to you know get right in there he has to come prepared with the mindset even while sitting on the bench he has to be fully engaged and I'm not trying to take away from that but you have to kind of play into the fact that there are certain players 
who just need to be, you know, put through the ringer a little bit and figure it out for themselves. I just don't feel like yanking him and then prolonged minutes on the bench. And then, you know, there's been times where in the fourth quarter, yeah, he had gotten to foul trouble, but at that point it wouldn't have mattered. And he could have put him back in, but instead he's just keeping him, keeping him on the bench. And of course he's going to get frustrated. I'm actually going to, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to blame Pat Riley for this. Um, I I don't think that Pat Riley is the one that signed, re-signed Hassan Whiteside to the max deal. And and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and obviously that that deal does not look great right now. Whiteside doesn't play as a twenty three million dollar per year player right now. But I don't know that Eric Spolstra really ever wanted to play that style of basketball. It did always sort of feel like Spolstra preferred those those Chris Bosh at center styles of basketball. And and whenever he got the chance, he would play Kelly Olynyk or Bam Adebayo at center, and that allowed for the Heat to play at a, a faster tempo. Um, they keep the pace up a little bit more spread um, offense and stuff like that. They, they get to do all the, the dribble handoffs and the drive and kick stuff that Whiteside just isn't a good player for. Like he's, that's just not the function that he plays with. And I do think that Spol- like Whiteside was sort of forced down Spolster's throat. And that was because Pat Riley identifies with that kind of grit and grind style of, of play. And I think he liked having that traditional big and what Whiteside sort of promised to be coming off of those two really good years when he was on that, you know, that minimum contract. Yeah, but to counter that, Spolster should be able to utilize his players in the best way possible. And I I think he did. And I think that's where I I do, I think he got the most out of Whiteside. And and to go back to your point, you said, like, I think during the regular season, Spolster did admit, like, I've got to let him play through those mistakes. And then during the regular season, let him do, but the playoffs are such a different animal and they're such... There's so little room for error that I do understand just playing Whiteside 10 minutes a game, especially when he's giving you nothing. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I look back. That contract is, looks so bad right now. I blame it more. I would rather Hassan Whiteside be a $20 million per year center somewhere else. Just because today, it was Pat Riley's failing to see that the NBA was going in a different direction. I don't oh, like Spolstra. I mean, I, do, I just I don't think that Whiteside is good for today's NBA. You look at contracts okay. like Ian Mahinmi. You look at you know uh, these Ennis Cantor signing a big deal, um, Greg Monroe signing. Like you look at these these traditional centers that just don't have a place in today's game. You can't pay them twenty million dollars a year, even if they play like a twenty million dollar a year center. There's just not enough room for those guys in today's league. I thought Riley ignored that. Didn't see the, where this league was going, and he made and he signed a, a guy to a bad contract. That, that that's fair, that, and and also kind of hard to explain. Though. I mean, like I don't I don't know that I have those kind of expectations on Pat Riley as being a futurist. Like I just don't see him. He's too too blue collar, too embedded in the ways of the past. I just don't see him ever kind of looking to the progression of this league. Like. You know, we, we can go back thing, to that's, that's his whole thing is that you don't let your ego get in the way, right? And I just feel like his ego does get in the way when it comes well, to well, okay, free but to that point, oftentimes. though, I mean, I, I always think back to, to the 2003 draft when when he was going to select Chris Kamen, and and he had to be persuaded by other members of the front office to take that kid out of Marquette instead. Yeah, and I I think that worked out pretty well, but you know I guess the jury's still out. So but, he no, needed I, more I think, guys around him to tell him that he shouldn't have signed Hassan Whiteside. See, but but it, I think given at the time think, they were desperate. Yeah, and and I think it, it looked like a good deal on paper at the time. I think we saw what Whiteside was capable of. I think we thought the investment was a good one. I know when we talked about it, it seemed like an overpay, but a necessary one. 
And and his game, I think, was much more polished. I mean, you brought up the Cantor comparison. Ennis Cantor is the same player now that he was two years ago when Oklahoma City signed or matched that offer sheet. And and he's not going to get any better. Like, he's not going to show any kind of defensive promise at any point. Whiteside was a guy who could score. He could roll to the rim. He could, you know, do all those things at that time when he was given that contract. And now he's not. Now, to, to, I'll, I'll not lay Spoh completely off the hook because I think being there – Every day and watching a guy's personality play out in practice with your teammates, et cetera, he could have been a louder voice in that front office to say, I just don't know that Whiteside's ever going to respond well. And, and that's why I think things we have don't just know that that didn't so happen. I know you're right. So maybe maybe he did. But either way, he might have okay. like if, if it's gone to this point in two years. I mean, that's a, such a short amount of time for things to sour so quickly. I, I mean, there had to have been signs, you know, two seasons ago when the contract was first made. Um, and I'm, I'm a little surprised that Spolster didn't have the, as loud a voice or didn't say, you know, something to kind of dissuade Pat Riley from making that move. Hold on one second. Yes. I just wanted to say, I think we have to also remember that he was injured for a good part of the year. Sure. And I feel like even when he wasn't sidelined, he wasn't a hundred percent. I mean, even the two games I went to, he was, it was like right before they, uh, took him out officially. You could tell he wasn't completely there. And, like, again, I'm not trying to say that he couldn't have handled it differently, but I think he got so frustrated with being injured that that kind of ended up, like, snowballing into his frustration of when he came back. You know, he wasn't given enough of a role because he was ready to just go out there. And I think you do have to at least credit him for wanting to play. I mean, he could have just sat back and enjoyed his money, right? Like, he got the max contract. He could be like, you're not playing me cool. I'm still getting paid. But he wants to participate. So, I mean, I don't know. I think there's another side to this. Speaking of uh, getting paid, Pete asks, what do you think, what do you see happening this offseason in regards to Tyler Johnson? Any way that he's moved? Also, second uh, part two of this question, how does Deion Waiters fit in his return next season? Uh, so let's start with Tyler Johnson, who's now, his contract, of course, famously balloons to $19 million this season. Um, Alana, do you see anything happening with Tyler Johnson, or is that contract just so immovable that, you know, just get used to it, Heat fans, he's going to be on the roster next year? I mean, I think the problem is it kind of seems like he regressed a little bit this season, Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily know if it was him or if it was the fact that, you know, his role wasn't completely, you know, set in stone the whole time. He's used to coming off the bench, then he became a starter, Um, but I don't necessarily think that he like proved himself at least in comparison to last year enough to easily move the contract. Now, will they try? Maybe. I just don't know, you know, how successful they're going to be. Yeah, I don't, I I think you're stuck with Tyler, to be honest with you. Um, Uh, that's a good point. And for looking at blames. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I, I thought that was a good point by Alana. I mean, he his statistics did regress from from last year to this year, but he was also kind of shoehorned into that starting role because Deion Waiters got hurt. Um, if he returns to a, a bench role, I wonder if maybe you know he he gets he becomes much more productive going against opposing second unit guys, mm-hmm. and then maybe by the trade deadline he's a little bit more movable, and that way you don't have two more years on that deal, but just a year and a half. I mean, I feel like he was almost a six-man-of-the-year candidate last year. I mean, he was, like, right there. He was doing great. And then, you know, all of a sudden he had to fill in for Dion, and then, you know, he dealt with injuries, too. So, yeah, I mean, maybe next season if they do just get him back to playing the role that he's used to, um, that that could be a possibility. David, we think Dion Waiters comes back as a starter next year? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's the best role for him. Uh, I mean, you talked about him coming off the bench. I just don't see that. I don't think Dion as at that point, he still needs to prove himself, I think. And I think, you know, he, he, he uh, you know, he made some progress last year and I think he kind of established himself as being a capable scorer in this league, but he still has that chip on his shoulder. I think there's still a, a need for him to go out there and kind of show that he can be the star that he envisions himself as. And so I, I don't see him being willing to take a back seat to anybody, to be honest with you. Alana, I thought that the, the heat could have used Dion's playmaking in the, in the, in the playoffs during against the Sixers. I thought that that skill set would have been really valuable, especially when Miami's offense bogged. I felt like most of Miami's losses happened this year because they would have a second half scoring drought. And a lot of times it mm-hmm. happened between the third and the fourth quarter. Um, I think Dion could have helped that issue quite a bit. What do you think? Yeah, and I think on top of just having another scorer, um, his sense of confidence, I feel like, would have really helped them out. Um, I don't know what it is about, you know, what happens at the half, but the way that they come out, it's like they are just the Heat have just completely lost all sense of control almost. And I feel like because of his irrational at times. Um, sense of you know confidence and optimism. He could have just come in and kind of gotten them going a little bit, um, you know, on, at least on the offense. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about Tyler Johnson a little bit, but the big story with Tyler Johnson is it time for him to get his teeth fixed? We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, the pros and cons of doing that when we come back after this break. Before we move on with the show, we want to take a quick break and tell you about our Patreon page. You can find it by going to Patreon.com/lockedonheat. And we are humbly asking for people to commit to a monthly pledge to help us continue to improve the quality of the show. Thanks to you who have already supported the podcast, we have quickly reached our initial funding goal that allowed us to purchase software that improved the quality of the podcast. But we aren't just stopping there. We've added a new tier of supporters. For $5 a month, you'll get access to a bunch of goodies, including salary cap and depth chart projections, free agency player rankings by position, a running list of our favorite trade ideas, and whatever else we can think of. Just go to patreon.com slash lockedonheat to get started. Again, that's patreon.com slash lockedonheat. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash lockedonheat. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back with Locked On Heat, and before we get to Alana's style corner, we need to talk about Tyler Johnson's teeth. He said he's waiting to fix them until he's not at risk of getting more of them knocked out. But he's about to be a $19 million man. Alana, can you talk my man Tyler into going to a dentist? No, see, I like the gap teeth. I like that he just does not care at all. I mean, like, how many people would just leave their front teeth, especially just completely missing? Isn't that unhealthy? Like, can't he get, like, an infection? I I worry about his health. I I feel like wouldn't his dentist have told him that by now, though? Does he have one? That's, no, that's a good. That's a good question. I think he, he's got. Doesn't he have like a, a a replacement tooth that he could put in there? But at this point that's in time, he just. I, I think so, and I know like, Goran. Goran has like those veneers too. Yeah, where he Goran looks, got a full set of veneers because he was sick of getting his teeth out. They look. They look strange in person. I'll be honest. No, they with. look so good. Every time I see him, I'm just like, if I had that money, it'd be 
be at his dentist right now. <laughs> My favorite Tyler Johnson detail is that he's gotten more teeth knocked out in practices, six, than he has during games, four. That's my favorite Tyler Johnson fact. Um, he doesn't wear a mouth guard, does he? No, he doesn't. I don't think it'll Wait. stay. Like, don't you need teeth to get the mouth guard to stay? <laughs> Isn't like, it only the two front that are out right now? So wouldn't it, like, like fit in the it, back? I think he's missing another another tooth somewhere. Oh, that's crazy. Um, he needs to go to a... He's, I don't know anybody that makes... He, he's about to be <laughs> worth $19 million. And he looks like a hobo. I mean, just... Yeah, I read some quote for him, though, that said, like, his fiance doesn't care, so he's fine yes. with it. Yeah. I think that his fiance... That's, uh, that's one of those questions, like, is it really fine, babe? And she's like, it's fine. But by <laughs> but she means it's fine, it's not fine. That's what that so means. she just wants him to stay more unattractive so the groupies don't come out of the woodwork. That's, well, a, that's that, another uh, reason why Dwayne Wade needs to stay on the roster. Um, he's <laughs> distracting. <laughs> All right, Alana, here it is. Time for your style corner. I want to know, let's start with the heat. Did anybody jump out to you in the playoffs with their style or just since the last time we, we did this. Um, and then general, and then we'll go to the NBA and kind of focus on the rest of the, the playoff teams. But for the Heat, what's, what's jumping on at you? What do you want to talk about? You know what? I've noticed that Wayne Ellington is actually a great dresser, and I don't think anyone has commented on it. But even, like, not necessarily in pregame situations, but if you just, like, take a look at his Instagram, I've been going through it. He was, like, rocking a maroon suit not that long ago. He's just, like, a very slick dresser. I like it. Hmm. It's not too over the top, but there's still, like, something about it. That makes him stand out. He's just like a very clean-cut man. David, what do you I'm think impressed. about that? Uh, wow, well, you know, it's it's really hard <laughs> for me to formulate an opinion on the maroon suit. I, it's not something I have in my closet, but then you again, should get I, one, maybe. yeah, a maroon suit, maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I, I can I could see Wayne being a stylish dresser. He's kind of an old school soul. I I, I get that vibe from him, so I could see him rocking the suit. He's a know, classic he's, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, um, he, he was one of the guys gonna... that came out. He 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 came out and embraced the uh, the Miami Vice uh, Jordans, right? Yep, oh, I yeah. love those. Those were cool. Those. Are so cool. I wonder where he's going to rock the maroon suit next year, though. That's another question. Mm, that is another question. Uh, anything else, Alana? <laughs> How did you guys feel about JJ's hair? I've been meaning to ask. You like the braids? I I don't know. You don't I, know? I don't know. I, like I I can't I can't like. I want to like it because it's kind of like shades of Udonis, but at the same time, I just don't know how I feel about them. I prefer the uh, the like that the wild look. I like the no, I like I, I like the um, like that short afro kind of yeah puff thing he had going on. I'm uh, all about the braids. You do the like more them. braids, the better. Yeah, I mean, I because I also saw like an homage to UD mm, going yeah. on there. The beard now, is what's important thing, there. Yes, we can agree, right? That unshaved or yeah, clean shaved uh, James, James Johnson. Johnson. It looks it's too just, much like underperforming, like Sacramento Kings, Memphis Grizzlies, James Johnson. That James Johnson is dead. He's gone. <laughs> we need bearded James Johnson's the one that got the, the $12 million a year deal. So that's one. That's the James Johnson I like. Um, I also, agree. I noticed, was great. Alana, did you notice that he brought back the yellow shoes during the playoffs that he had at the I start did. of the season? I did. It's, I don't know. I feel like let's incorporate another bright shade, like a neon pink would have been nice to see. Is that even allowed, though? Yeah, I think yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at what the Timberwolves are doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it matters anymore. I don't Andrew think Wiggins, has any- <laughs> I can't watch. I can't watch them when Wiggins and Towns are playing together. <laughs> they just they both have so Wiggins wears the Adidas and and uh, Towns is a Nike guy, but they both have the exact same shade of green. That Timberwolves oh, neon green in, yeah. as as their entire shoe, which it they obviously blinding. both companies made. They they took the color code from whatever that green is. 
and applied it to a shoe, but it's crazy to me that both of them produced the same exact shoe color. And it is, it is blinding. I can't watch Did we it. ever figure out what those J. Rich shoes were? No, we never during did. During the Vice days? Those were, I liked those. Those were A1. We, all we know is that they had to be Nikes because he's a Nike yeah. guy. Uh, and I looked on the website. You, I think you commented. You might have thought that maybe they were Jordans. So yeah, I went, they look I went, like Jordans. I went through the Jordan website. I have no idea what they are. Still no, still no idea. Gotta you got to get that time. answer out of him. I know. I know. Anything else? What about the NBA playoffs? Anybody jumping out? Um, so I wanted to talk about the Cavs suits because okay. I, I just, I like the suits on their own. I like the concept of suits. I don't know if I like the whole team wearing the same suit. And I also don't really understand why all of a sudden... Because they didn't do that for game one, right? No. Yeah, so I don't know. I felt I felt like that was a little bit strange. Like, you have one game of wearing whatever you want, and then all of a sudden it was like, we're doing suits now. Like No, no. And, and you know what I really love about this? I, I, Isaiah Thomas commenting on, oh, yes. on <laughs> Where's so, his hey, suit? Where, where's I thought LeBron, suit? LeBron, I thought, was wearing his suit because his his ankles came up so high. The cuffs, <laughs> I don't oh. know. I think that was, those would have been, like, shorts on LeBron. But that's that that's okay. pathological to, like, take your measurements, like, in the preseason and then wait for right the right moment during the playoffs to but say, all right, guys. That also confused me more because I'm like, okay, if you had this mindset going into it, then why wouldn't you start with game one? Like, so, it's just my, so, so here's my answer. Thing. As somebody familiar with the, the inner workings of, of having a custom suit made, Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you assuming I don't? I don't understand. No, I'm just saying you got to get that stuff delivered. It has to be they. You get it fit. You get it sized up. You get it fitted. You try it on. You make some adjustments from there. You resend it out. You bring it back, and then they have to. It might have just not have been ready for game one. Come Did on. Perkins get one. That's my Come other question. It, it's LeBron James, and he's roster. a multi-millionaire. I, he can yeah. get a suit. He could get a suit made tomorrow That's That's if he wanted point. to. That's a good. Point. And it's not like they didn't know when the playoffs began. Yeah. So. And they did get it in the preseason. I want to know if Isaiah Thomas gets his suit. That would he be messed not. up if he didn't get his suit. Wade's supposed to have one too, right? That's true. Yeah, I think yeah, Wade's everybody. fine without it, though. Oh, Iman Shumpert. I mean, who? <laughs> Channing Fry. Does he get a yeah. suit? Well, Iman Shump, like Iman Shumpert. Isaiah, they can use it. Dwayne Wade has no need for a suit. He's not wearing a shirt for the next 10 years. Like, he's, he's <laughs> in Miami, baby. Like, that's it. Um, anything else, Alana, on the style corner before we yeah, go? Yeah, I, I wanted to say, um, I saw that Kyle Kuzma was up for, like, a Best Dressed Award for those, you know, mm. June awards or whatever. Mm. I, I just need to say, I do not, like, rip knees in jeans on guys. Like, that has to go. We're done with that. Like, unless you're, like, Russell Westbrook, I just don't want to see your knees out. That's just not not a look that I'm going to. Does Russell to ever Westbrook have especially nice knees? I'm confused. I don't know. I just feel like he's just so out there. <laughs> no, oh, it's yeah, on brand. No, it's yeah, on brand. Yeah, there's, Got it. Yeah, there's yeah, no barometer like, for for Russell Westbrook's style. So, like he can wear anything. He can wear an apron, and and that's about it. <laughs> and everybody be like, "Well, goddamn, look at him. He's yeah, styling no, the apron." Whatever yeah. Russ wants to do, like claps for him. We're all good. But like literally, Kuzma wears ripped jeans, and it's not even like fully distressed. It's just jeans with only rips in the knees. That's like his like go-to with some sort of louder top. I'm just not a fan. I don't see why he's up for that award. So no I'm jeans. ashamed. Okay, I'm ashamed to admit that I'm looking up Kyle Kuzma's clothing online right now, and he's got some ridiculous like fur coat. Have you seen yeah, this? I mean, like yeah, uh, that, that, he loves the the crazy tops, and then the jeans, not fully distressed, just the knees. Distressed jeans. So there was like, a point in the re- in the regular season. I also followed Donovan Mitchell on Instagram. He's hilarious. Um, that he was commenting on his teammates anytime that they wore something flashy, he kept calling them. He kept saying that they were in the Kuzma fit. 
Yeah, so, see, exactly. It's just, I mean, fine. If you want to be flashy, just like, come on, why? Just no, no more, no more knees. So what, okay, so you, if you were voting on this award, who would you give it to? Ooh. Um, I mean, Russ, why not? I think that he carries his style really well. I feel like Wade still dresses pretty nicely. I feel like oh, he's up there. Wade's graduated it's... from Russ to more, like, classic. Like, he's a kind of a classy guy now. Yeah, and I also Sans love green that they're all coming out with their own type of like you know his feel like flash hat, and then you have JJ like rocking mm-hmm. UD on his shirt. I like that. I like the like the the own merch type of thing going on. My I, I just I want to give a shout out to Jason Tatum of the Celtics. He's a, I think that he is a very clean. I always enjoy his his wardrobe choices and his shoot, his sneaker choices before the game. I was gonna actually call out your boy Ubre. Did you see what he wore for the last game? No, what did he wear? Oh wait, it was bad it was well what it was that the supreme was thing that, he had like yeah and it was like an oversized black like it looked like a sweatshirt dress almost he looked 10 types of disheveled that's that's my man that's how he, that's how he rolls <laughs> that is that what you're gonna wear next time that's what i wear that's what i'm wearing right okay. now okay good all right that's all we have for today we'll be back next week um thank you for alana for joining us do you want to plug anything um, check out All You Can Heat, uh, and even though the Heat are eliminated, that doesn't mean that we're not going to bring you fresh content daily. That's right. Um, you can send mailbag questions and ask about advertising by sending an email to LockdownHeat at gmail.com. Support the show by, by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash LockdownHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.